This is the Total Tuscany Podcast, episode 90. And what I love about my job is that I sell happiness. Really, when we talk about wine, we talk about something really enjoyable. In the words of Ernest Hemingway, wine and good friends are a great blend. Today on the Total Tuscany Podcast, we are delighted to present our newest friend, Claudia Caligari. Immerse yourself in the enchantment of private wine tastings brought directly to your location amidst the splendor of Tuscany. Or relish in the convenience of receiving personally curated Tuscan wines at your doorstep wherever you live. Claudia's expertise allows her to customize your wine selection, catering to your preferences and budget. Join us as we embark on this delightful encounter with Claudia inviting you to savor the wonders of Tuscan wine in a truly exceptional manner. Patrick Campagna, we are in the middle of June and I am so disappointed in us because the last time we sat in the studio was February. February. Can you believe that? What happened? It, not only that, but the last publicized Total Tuscany podcast was February 11th. Believe it or not, I've been to Italy since then. I, I After that, I left. I, I went to Italy. And we didn't do a podcast about me being in Italy coming back. How did, how did that happen? You were inspired. You came back inspired. Yeah. You had lots of ideas. Yeah. And then what? Where did it go? Well, what happened was I, I spent a week in late February and first part of March in Florence. And then I went to Ireland after that. And you met me in Ireland because for some reason you don't like to go to Italy anymore, (laughs) (laughs) but you met us in Ireland and we spent a week in Ireland and I think we came back with, uh, you know, some Irish blood in us. A little bit of Guinness for sure. Well, here's the deal. Just to let everybody know in our international travels, and I don't know how Pat feels, uh, uh, after visiting Ireland, uh, I don't care if I ever go back. Not that the Irish people were, I had a good time. It's just not Italy. It's I spent a week in, in Italy, went to Ireland, and all I could think about really is like, boy, I'd really like to be back in Tuscany at this point because <laughs> um, it's the, the food's better. The food is a lot better in Italy than it is Ireland. Well, and I really enjoyed I really enjoyed Ireland, but I'm with you in that when I go back, I would go to Ireland first and end the trip. I, yes. You, you did it backwards. I did it backwards. I had to because I I, I escorted a, a tour over there for a week. And then our daughter, Mary, was studying uh, in Maynooth, which is right outside of Dublin. So we, we went up there to visit her because we hadn't seen her for a while. So that was um, that's why we did it that way. But you, you're right. If I had to do it over again, I'd go to Ireland first and then to Italy. Just So if you're planning international travel, just take our advice here. If you're going to go to France, if you're going to go to England, if you're going to go to Spain, Portugal, great places to visit. Always end your trip, however, in Italy if you're going to do a multi-country trip. End it in Italy. Why would you not end on a high note yes. with that food and, yes. and the culture? and the Yeah. The, you know, we, we've been podcasting several years now, and I believe this is episode 90. We're, we're, our, our goal should be get, to get to episode 100 by the by the end of the year, see if we can do it. But far and away, the most popular podcasts we do are always about wine. People love wine. It, it's, it's a common denominator. And, <laughs> and uh, I'm excited about this, this interview. 
You, you you found this one because you wrote me and said, hey, hey, we've got a podcast lined up. You were really excited about it, and and, and it's a fairly new company. Um, and, and Claudia Caligari, I think I'm saying that right, right? Cal- I, I'm close. Caligari, I Caligari, I mean, the accent I'm, I'm going to miss, but she, she's, uh, she knows her stuff. She knows her stuff a lot. Oh, she's in-depth. She's a sommelier. She, she has a ton of experience, and she's doing some really cool – She's doing things that a lot of our guests have done, but she's doing all of them. Yeah, and what Pat's talking about, we're going to be talking about uh, private wine tastings, right? Uh, with with, with uh, carefully selected wines, and and people, the more and more uh, we talk with and, and do these podcasts, and I'll use Linda Sorgiovanni from from Customized Italy uh, a lot, and that is people like the private experiences. And that's what Claudia really offers here is the, that private wine tasting. But then she also throws in uh, a, a wine club to where you can have wine shipped on a quarterly or a semi-annual basis to your house, which takes all the guessing out of it. Or you can or you can make your own selection at that point. But then something new, and that is the, the wine collector or the investor that, you know, let's say 2023 is a really good vintage, but it may not be perfect until it's stored another five six seven years she can handle that storage for you let you know might what the optimal time to actually drink that wine is and then get it to you so and she's doing wine tours yes which yeah. that, so there's a whole lot to consider here so they, i hope you're getting ready uh maybe just open up a bottle mm-hmm. get a glass out uh tur- put in the earbuds or turn up the speaker and enjoy the latest Total Tuscany podcast as we talk to Claudia Caligari from Caligari Wine. Claudia, I'm intrigued about something here because when people think of Tuscany, I think most people think of Florence, Chianti, the Valdorcia region. And as I was getting ready for this interview with you, you live in uh, Piombino, right? Am I saying that right, Piombino? That is correct, Piombino, Travis. So t- t- it's right on the coast. It's probably a place that nobody's ever heard of. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about where you live and and why the next time we come to Tuscany, we should go to that area of Tuscany, just besides to visit you. But what what is around there? I, I'm I'm anx- I'm anxious to hear about where you live. Yeah, it's an amazing place on the Tuscan coast. Actually, uh, I primarily found. Uh, picked that place because it's very very close to a very interesting wine producing area which is the the Bulgari VOC appellation and that is the reason why three years ago I moved here because I was uh, working for a a Bulgari uh, winery but then I discovered that this area is not only about wine but there's uh, a lot about uh, sea culture there's uh, a very ancient Etruscan uh, legacy with a lot of the sites that could be visited. It's a very, very rich area that uh, combines both uh, wine production, uh, sea and, uh, you know, relaxing, uh, staying at the beach and at the same time, uh, cultural aspect on the, in the side of the, of the place. It's funny. I'm curious because we get a ton of questions all the time about, you know, we want to go, but we don't want to be in, in just bombarded by tourists. So, you, you know, if you go to Florence, right. you get a ton of tourists. Are there, is, is there a lot of tourism in your area? Is it a pretty easy place to visit that's not overcrowded? 
is not overcrowded, but there is uh, one reason behind that because originally Piombino was a very industrial place with a lot of uh, uh, fabrics. They're producing actually steel. Piombino means, um, well, it's, it's a mineral, so it's really, it has a long legacy of production of steel. And, uh, and therefore, only in the, in the most recent years, we are facing uh, tourists coming and so forth, especially because uh, this is one of the places that uh, are a little bit uh, hidden, not very well known. As you rightly said, everyone goes to Florence, to the most recent places. But a place like Piombino in, the, in recent years, it's a really growing, increasing popularity because it's a very good combination of, uh, as I said, culture, wine, sea, relax at the beach and so forth. So it's yeah, it's a prayer I really, really like. So, is this uh, a little? Is this area something we can visit with by the train, or our our listeners have to drive there? We, well, there is a close by train station that uh, arrives approximately ten minutes to the to the place. Yes, and then uh, yeah, there are nowadays touristic uh, services to bring uh, in um, people. Wow, that that's awesome! So you have the wine room in, in your in, in your town. So tell us uh, uh, about your business, and we'll do. I, I'm going to be honest with you. We've done I don't know close to a hundred podcasts on Tuscany, and always the most popular ones are about wine uh, because you know what? Mm-hmm. Wine brings everybody together. It, it, it's like it's yes. like it, wine unites us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I totally agree. And what I love about my job is that I sell happiness really <laughs> when we talk about wine we talk about something really enjoyable so uh, actually I started uh, nearly 16 years ago working in the wine business after I took my studies in gastronomical sciences for a personal uh, uh, let's say passion for the food and wine uh, area and since then I only been working in uh, in wineries in different areas predominantly in Tuscany when I where I spend uh, uh, the last uh, 15 years of my life and um, in those years I've been doing uh, marketing and communication meeting many people from uh, around the globe I would say hosting uh, uh, both tourists and trade to the winery and showing uh, uh, all the secrets behind uh, every bottle of wine because uh, a bottle of wine is not, it's not just a drink, really. There is so much culture, there's so much history. There's so, there are so many curiosity behind every label and every, uh, and every, yeah, every bottle of wine. And uh, just recently, just last year, after so many years and so many um, people I've met uh, during my past experience uh, who were regularly asking me for suggestions, for places to go, for winery to visit, I decided to create uh, my own uh, startup business uh, in which uh, I basically select uh, the most uh, interesting, but at the same time, uh, hidden gems uh, uh, in the Tuscan uh, appellation, both uh, uh, primary appellations like Montalcino or Bulgari on the Chianti, but also minor appellations that are, you know, growing in the last uh, uh, time, most recent years, like uh, the Maremma, the Suvereto wines, uh, uh, Montepulciano, and so forth. So my mission is really to, to find those uh, uh, niche wines 
that sometimes just have the difficulties to create their own distribution abroad. And so they are so difficult to, to be found uh, in, uh, in foreign countries like the US, for example. Uh, I select them and I suggest to my uh, customers, which are now became kind of a network of customers, kind of a club, let me say. And uh, I basically mm, ship them to their home directly so that uh, my customers, my private customers, have the chance to discover always uh, new wines, uh, which are very difficult to find in the in the market, basically. They have the chance to show off with their friends <laughs> when they organize dinners. And uh, of course, they have the guarantees that those are wines that I would drink myself at home, and they're selected personally, basically. So is this for, just a blunt question, is it is this kind of for the high-end customer are we talking about? I mean, you, you, or, or is there a price point for everybody? Basically, there is a price point for everybody, actually. I, I think like wine is for everyone. So I didn't want to uh, focus on only high-end wines, but I just wanted to focus on good wines. Sometimes good wines are also wines with a good quality price ratio. So basically, if you look at my selection, you can find wines from 15 euros per bottle up to 200, for example. But uh, there is wine actually for everyone because I truly believe that wine should be meant for everyone. But uh, in that respect, uh, also for, for example, for of course, for the high hand, it's a, it's it's easy because you pick really the top end wines that everybody knows, and uh, I try to get uh, uh, some stock of those wines that are very rare to find and so forth. But for the uh, most approachable wines, my um, my mission is really to find good wines at the right price level. So it's which which is not easy because sometimes it's easy to find cheap wines but not <laughs> good quality basically so i have a, i have a question i'm imagining first of all two part question how many bottles are being produced in some of these niche wines and then yeah. how how in the world do you find them i i'm imagining I don't know about you, Travis, but I'm imagining driving around the countryside in a convertible, just stopping in a vineyard <laughs> and tasting. You mean your your life is a movie? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah. You like a movie script? <laughs> <laughs> so take that. You know, how do how does that actually match with reality? Well, first of all, to to answer your first question, let me say that the wineries I select can use uh, from eight thousand bottles to thirty five thousand bottles and beyond. Of course, uh, I don't have like a. Uh, set the schedule but uh, like a small winery could produce 15,000 bottles so it's quite quite a small uh, uh, winery and the second question uh, that that's where experience come in basically I mean I've been working in this industry for uh, as I said over 16 years and uh, everyone knows each other because we all participate to the same events to the same tasting to the same fairs so now with the, the experience I gained, I, I know many people and uh, even if, if our customers ask me for a wine that I don't have in my selection, I just pick up a call, the phone, sorry, and I call someone who, who knows someone who knows someone and I maybe find that wine in, in no time. So I think that the, in, to answer your question, exp, experience comes in because uh, it's a very uh, close 
um, business. Uh, everyone knows each other and maybe one person works in one winery after five years works for another winery. And, uh, you know, so maybe one is my former colleague uh, or a former colleague of friend of mine and so forth. So that that's how I don't drive around. I always go by connections. Do you have a favorite? I mean, what's your favorite? Uh, are you a Chianti? Are you a Brunello? Uh, a Bulgari? Are you a Super Tuscan? What, that's a, that's a diff, such a difficult question. <laughs> and I think it's it's impossible to answer, really, because uh, every occasion has a favorite. So if I think about uh, a night by the beach, I think about a nice, crispy, refreshing Vermentino from the Morena area, if I think about a nice uh, Fiorentina steak, uh, maybe I think about a nice uh, Bulgari Superiore um, or a Brunello di Montalcino, which is in my heart because I've been living in Montalcino for over 12 years. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, if I uh, if I can mention a few, I, I probably Montalcino and Bulgari and the Tuscan coast are my favorite areas. But uh, again, uh, every situation as its perfect wine. It, it, if I may. You bring up the situation where, where my palate, because I always come for this. I, I mean, I, if the wine tastes good to me, it's a good wine, right? At the end of the day, if yes. it tastes good, that's all that really matters. But where I've really yes. gotten, I think, refined, should we say, is that now, like, if we open a bottle and it, it, let's say it's a Chianti, and I'm like, oh, we, I'm, I'm not drinking that till we eat, right? I mean, I know now it's kind of heavier and it's like, it's really good with food. So I'm really, I, I've defined, I've been able to now go, Oh, I want this beforehand, this while I eat and this afterwards. So I, I, I've developed my wine palate that far to know when, when to drink and what to drink. So I feel like I'm growing in my wine experience. Yeah. But you know what, Travis training is the key. Actually, <laughs> and, and you know how you train, just drink more, just drink a lot more. That's correct. <laughs> Actually, uh, this year, uh, I after so many years working in the wine industry, I decided to uh, um, get back to to study again, and I took an intensive course uh, which is called uh, uh, WSET. It's an international certification. I got level three uh, test um, uh, just a couple of months ago, and I had the chance to taste uh, something like uh, 150 wines in five days. Uh, so it was a very, very intensive course. And I tell you, at the end, I mean, I've been tasting a lot of wines in my careers, but at the end of those five days, uh, my palate was much more, um, how can I say, uh, much more perceptive. I could immediately say what I could feel in that glass of wine, both on the nose and on the palate. So. So yes, training and drinking and tasting with uh, um, with uh, with attention, of course, is the key. And uh, as I always say, I always uh, suggest, uh, even if uh, you rightly say that a wine should be paired with uh, a good uh, a good uh, food or a good dish, uh, always try your wine without food first, because that is the moment in which you can really enjoy that. At its best, or not enjoy, but understand it. Let's say, 
360 degrees. Yep. And, and for those of you keeping score at home, 150 glasses over five days is 30 glasses a day on average. So congratulations <laughs> to you. I'm kind of jealous, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So so talk about the wine tasting that you offer to, to, to visitors. Yep. Yeah. So I don't yes. think we got into yeah, that. Yeah, well, actually, yeah. Um, as I as I mentioned, I live in a very touristic area, so but not very exploited by tourism. So the kind of tourism that we have in our area is more about uh, um, big houses, villas, uh, uh, places that uh, people just rent out for a week to spend some good quality time, both by uh, this, the beach and by the wine area and so forth. But uh, uh, in my experience, I understood that those people enjoy really uh, private uh, experiences and not driving around the different wineries with heat uh, that uh, we we have in the summer. So I developed this concept by which uh, I work as kind of a catering. Uh, basically, I go to their homes, to their places where they stay. I bring my selection and I organize uh, a tailor-made uh, private uh, wine experience uh, for those people, uh, which is something that uh, they really enjoy because they can do it uh, by the shadow or there's the rust uh, without driving around uh, and so forth. And uh, if they do like some of the wines that uh, I suggest uh, in my tasting, uh, um, the added value is that uh, I have the possibility to ship those wines to their home eventually if they're interested to it so that when they get back from the vacation just just find that wine that they discovered in italy during a tasting uh, available for the coming months at their home that's something uh, my customers really really enjoy because sometimes you when you're traveling you taste a very nice wine but then you cannot find it back at home in your market it's very difficult so that little uh, let's say service it's really the extra uh, advantage of the tasting that uh, my customers enjoy a lot. Is the wine market continuing to grow? Uh, because I, here in the United States, we see the spirits market growing, right? I mean, bourbons, gins, uh, but I also think wine is very popular. It, it, where you see it now, is, is wine continuing to grow as a market um, worldwide? It is. It is. I think we had the uh, we had um, we have been facing a, a pandemic uh, recently, and wine was among one of the few items that did not suffer from it. <laughs> so that is quite uh, uh, impressive, I, I would say. I mean, winery has been working very, very well selling the wines. Of course, not to restaurant, but to, to private uh, consumers, and. Uh, and I have the feeling that there is so much uh, education need. So there is uh, this uh, need to know, need to understand that, that it will only bring a good, uh, a good development to the wine business. Because uh, uh, when people are eager to understand, to, to know more, uh, it, it can just mean that uh, wine it will continue to, to grow in the coming, uh, in the coming years. Do you find that the the visitors are better informed? Do they do they ask you better questions about the wine? Do they seem, uh, or, yes. or is it or is yes. the learning curve pretty steep? No, I think they are better, especially. Again, I will live in a in a wine culture area, so probably people that pick 
that area are people that are in particularly interested in wine. And so when they arrive there and they organize a wine tasting or a wine tour, they know what they want or they know what they want to know. <laughs> and uh, I have the feeling that, uh, yes, uh, the, the, uh, the, the wine lovers are more informed than in the past. Absolutely. Because we're drinking more, Pat. That's why we're drinking more. Oh, <laughs> see now, it, it, it's I'm I'm thirsty already. I'm gonna go start letting. As soon as we're done recording, I'm gonna let one air out, yes. and I think I'm just gonna I, I'm gonna have a bottle today. You know, I would say Tuscany and Italy, for that matter, more known for its reds, right? Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I have found the last time I was in San Gimignano. I, I fell in love with the Vernaccia grape. I, I just, I, I just yeah. love it, it, it and I, I can't get enough. Of it, and it's a white, and so there, there are some people who don't like red wines, and and, and people who want whites. Go into a little bit about the, the white wines that Tuscany produces. I brought up the Vernaccia. I love it. Uh, are there any other varietals of, of white that, that come out of Tuscany? Well, I, I mentioned it earlier. I think Vermentino is really the, the uh, white wine with an extremely growing popularity, not only in Italy, but uh, also in the export markets. And uh, it's a wine that uh, it's really impressive because it combines a good structure with the crispy acidity and the saltiness that given by the Tuscan coast that makes it very refreshing, but at the same time, it's very intriguing. And what I, for example, for the Vimentino, which uh, is really one of the <laughs> white varieties I do love the most, what I find very interesting that uh, given the temperature of Tuscany, I mean, we are in the center of Italy, so it's not a cool area, obviously. Uh, we have quite a uh, structure white wine. With surprisingly good aging potential as well that it's something not usual for white wines i mean if you think about a white wine you think a wine that you drink by the vintage by the current vintage while for example vermentino is a wine that it has been surprising us with the extremely interesting aging potential that uh, creates this uh, tertiary aromas that reminds of uh, uh, a German Riesling, uh, for example. So it, it is a growing uh, area of production. Of course, red still uh, stay the most important uh, area of production, but there is an increasing popularity of uh, white. And uh, I will tell you more because I have uh, decided to focus only in Tuscany, uh, I have been looking very, very hard uh, for a sparkling wine from Tuscany, which is absolutely not uh, <laughs> usual. And I actually found a, a winery, may I say the name? Which yes, is uh, Felsina, which is uh, Felsina in Castelnuovo Berardenga, so it's in the heart of the Chianti Classico DOC that has a particular estate which is surrounded by woods. So the estate is about um, 60 hectares and there's like uh, 600 hectares of woods around it. And thanks to this natural aspect of the estate, the, uh, the um, uh, temperature range, the diurnal range is very strong. So there's a big difference between day and night temperature, which works very well for the production of uh, high acidity sparkling wines. And for example, that sparkling wine is the only sparkling wine I've selected because I think it's extremely interesting, even if it's coming from Tuscany, so not an area of production of sparkling wines. And now when I have some tasting, I will 
I always bring that uh, as a welcome uh, wine, and people get really, really surprised. It's really surprising wine. I, I think I actually, I, I, I think I have two bottles left. I have a sparkling. I should drink it because it's getting a little old now. But from Coley Barreto, I've got uh, a couple sparkling wines that we had. Uh, uh-huh. um, but yeah, I, you're right, and I'll give you my mailing address if you know if you want to send us some of those sparkling ones. I'm just I'm <laughs> with you. Of course. <laughs> so listening, listening to you describe this, I wanted. I'm not a big white white wine drinker, but I would love to take a wine tour of the region to understand the places that you're describing. Is that yes, absolutely. That's something I do, and. Uh, I actually wanted to focus on Tuscany also for that reason, because I want to make sure that if uh, one of my customers comes to the region, I have the possibility to bring them around and let them discover the nicest uh, winery uh, of the area. So, yes, that is also something I do. So whenever someone needs uh, a personalized uh, one or two or three days uh, wine tour around the region, I will be happy to, to, to guide them uh, through the most interesting uh, estates. Yes. So, so just to clarify, you go to where you want to have the wine tasting. They don't necessarily have to come to you in your hometown to do the tasting, correct? No, no. I, I prefer to do it uh, at the places because, I mean, I do have a wine room, which is by the, which is actually a, a very nice wine room by the sea with a nice uh, sea view. But the uh, unique advantage of uh, the private tasting is really that uh, they are extremely comfortable at their places. Imagine uh, a family from the States travel all over the globe to reach the nice villas in Tuscany and then they relax by the pool and they don't have to take the car, you know. And at the end of the day, when the sun goes down, I come by with my kit and I organize a tasting for them just before dinner. So it, it's really, really relaxing instead of taking the car or taking a cab or a Uber or whatever and go to the, to the places. So I, I find that, that it's really the the best solution, the most comfortable solution for the guests as well. Let's go back to your wine club. Uh, is that shipped out monthly, quarterly, and are you sending a case? How much wine are you sending at, at, at a time? Look, this is how it works, and you can discover more on my website on uh, calegari.wine, which is uh, uh, quite simple. Uh, basically, I like to change selection with the every season. So at this moment, there is the spring selection, and in a few days, we're going to have the summer selection. Every selection counts six wines. So there are not hundreds of wines, but every season, there is just six wines that I promote. And you can either uh, ask for some suggestions based on your wine preferences or your wine styles and so forth, and choose and pick the wines that you really prefer. Otherwise, there is a possibility to order like a mixed case of the selection. So one or two bottles for each uh, wine that I've selected. Actually, along with that uh, uh, shipment, I also offer the opportunity, which can be quite funny, to organize an online tasting uh, with friends. So uh, some of our, my fr- my uh, guests or customers, when they purchase this uh, mixed case, they organize a night with, a night with some friends and I remote connect from Italy and I guide them through the wines just like if they were in Italy and that sometimes turn out to be extremely funny <laughs> because it's really like an Italian experience but directly at home 
and uh, and that is the direct uh, order so and anyone can order whatever they want so or a specific wines or the mix case and then i have the opportunity to uh instead to so you have the opportunity to subscribe for a membership uh depending on your uh, preferences uh, there are uh, two kind of uh, membership uh, um which are quarterly or uh, um twice uh, a year by which uh, i just ship a selection of uh, wines of course of a fixed budget that uh, you have decided uh, up front and uh, every four or six months you actually receive by default uh, some new selection of wines uh, along with the booklets of tasting notes and explanation of the wines oh wow that that's that's really cool uh that, that sounds like a I, I might have to join the club today, I think Pat. We do. I think, yeah. And these are all these are all niche wines, is that right, Claudia? <laughs> yes, these are mainly all all niche wines. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I like really to. I mean, if I want to give a suggestion, I want to suggest something that it's a bit unique and difficult to find. So that that's where I move. Sometimes uh, I at least place one brand brand because people like you know the big name so sometimes in my selection there is one big brand uh, but uh, for the majority i would say that they are niche wines that they're many times not available in the market or have to be found in the market so again the people <laughs> some of my customers when they have friends they really show off because they say along with the wines i send kind of a private wine menu so that people can just uh, select the wine, uh, just as if you were at the restaurant, and uh, it can be very funny. Yes. One aspect of your business that I find interesting, and I'm, this is definitely for the for a higher end consumer, but it's out there, is that you offer wine investment and storage. You know, I've yes. to me to me, I see wine, I want to drink it. I could never hold on to it and, and want to sell it. But okay, so in the United States, sports cards are like uh, you know, from baseball cards, basketball cards, football cards. Those are investments in collectors' items. How many people actually collect wine as an investment and use that, and then the storage that's needed? I, I'm fascinated by this. Yes, in my case, uh, the wine investment and storage is for mainly for private consumption. Yes. Uh, the added value that the, my service can give is that I know by the release date of the wine if a wine is worth some extra years of storage or not. Because I talk to winemakers, I talk to enologists, I know which vintages are worth some extra time in the bottle. And uh, living in the country, what I can do is to tell them, for example, hey, Travis, here is this uh, vintage 2019 of Bulgari Superiore. It's going to be amazing in 10 years. I can give you the opportunity to buy it at the release price because consider that in 10 years, it's going to be a triple price. So you buy the wine at the release uh, price, which is like a regular, not the extreme price. I store it for you in a, in a place with a, a regular temperature, sorry, controlled temperature condition, humidity con controlled. And then you can decide yourself when you want to receive it. I normally um, give suggestions. So I, of course, keep tracks of uh, the, the the development of the wine so i know that if it's in five years if it's in eight years and i just knock your door and tell travis i think this is really the right time to drink the wine but the, the wine is 
yours. So you can actually take it whenever you want, basically. Or I could resell it at like five times the price I bought it for. Or right? you can resell it, absolutely. <laughs> but that is your, I mean, it's not my business. No, that's something I do not okay. offer. I just, uh, my, basically my uh, service is this is to suggest which wines uh, at which vintage to purchase at the release date from the winery. Well, and just in, in I, I know Pat's got a question, but just brings us back to our pre-show conversation is that you were, you're pretty excited about this 2023 vintage, right? You were talking about the weather just from the, the, the wet spring to the, to starting to warm up. You think 2023 could be a pretty good vintage, right? So it's difficult to preview it now, of course, but uh, we have a good premises because we had a quite wet spring, which uh, can be very good, especially when these rains are not too too hard or it has not been hailing, it has not been frosting. We just had a lot of water and that lot of water in the spring and just fill in the water reserves that we'll need for a hot summer. And uh, so it's, if if now, as it looks like, the summer picks up, uh, the grapes will start to ripen correctly. We'll have the water reserve they need, and then they continue their ripening process till harvest correctly. So at this time, I can tell you, it looks like it's going to be a good vintage. But as you say, we work with nature. We work with agriculture. So <laughs> we have to rely on Mother Nature <laughs> for the best. I want to be, my, my question I want to be on the unclaimed wine storage list. So when when the people that have hired you to store their wine don't claim it 10 years from now, you're going to ship it to ship it this way. Okay. <laughs> I will take a note about it. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's like the lost and found. It's like, you know, they, they, they don't exist anymore. I've got all this wine on storage. So how many, just from a personal note, because you, you travel, you, you, I'm sure you travel the Tuscan countryside because you're just... You're you're just you're focusing only on Tuscany. How many, how many different wines do you try a year? How many di- how many different wines? And have you ch- of all the vineyards in Tuscany, have you even have you tasted ten percent, twenty percent, fifty percent of the uh, of the vineyards out there? What, what, what do you think? I think I taste between thirty and forty percent. Wow, that's amazing. Because there is so much out there. There's so much, I tell you. There's so, especially uh, now that the wine culture is always uh, increasing and increasing. There are many really micro new wineries that start up, and it's impossible to keep track of all of them. So I tell you, definitely the big names, I tasted them all with no doubt also because sometimes you go to a fair and in uh, just one big room you have the chance to taste so many wines uh but there are so many niche wineries that uh, it's not easy so i i think a good average could be 40 percent wow and yeah. that's and and you're right there's new ones popping up every day and it, it'd be interesting yeah. how many bottles a year does tuscany produce do you know that and i'm, I'm just throwing that on you i don't know if it's ha ah, that is a good question but uh i i actually don't know i, I should uh, look for it it's probably in the millions though, right of... probably it had to be mm, in the yes millions. oh well yes definitely uh, yes, I've been working for Banfi for 12 years, a big estate in Montalcino, and only there were producing 12 millions oh, well, real. bottles. So. Wow. How many, <laughs> so my ignorance, how many niche wineries are we talking about? Is, is Italy, does Italy have, or Tuscany, does it have 1,000 niche wineries or 10,000? What are we talking about? 
just to give you an example, Montalcino is one village which counts 200 and, over 250 wineries in one town. Of those ones, uh, maybe 40 are big, so big names that are well distributed. All the rest, it's micro niche wineries, and sometimes they have half actor or one actor, uh, really, really small. So that just gives you the scale of how many small wineries are out there. You mentioned you work for Banff, and that's that's massive. That's that's huge. And I'm not asking you to pick on a former employer, but uh, you, you know, when you get to that bigger production, is it still as just as good as some of these small ones who 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 look at it as as a craft and an art? Look, it's different. There is a lot of uh, culture, a lot of knowledge, a lot of. Uh, uh, attention in those big wineries, I have to say, and uh, the the portfolio can vary a lot from the entry wines to the top hand wines. But what I uh, always say that uh, also in a way to um, uh, how can I say to defend the large wineries uh, is that when you have a wine from a large winery, the efforts they put to produce great wines is the same effort that you find in the entry-level wines. So don't uh, dis discard the, the, the big wineries because they have uh, they, they place so much effort maybe to produce their premium wines and that same ones you can find in the entry-level wines, which normally it's probably the, 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 the biggest added value for them. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that, and, and I think you're 100% correct because I, I have a friend who – uh, is really big into to craft and micro breweries for beer. And he re recently visited the Anheuser-Busch uh, brewery in, in St. Louis, and he came back on, you know, for as much as he's anti-corporate and big, he goes, they're the best brewers in the world. They perfected the craft so big to where they could do it consistently across large volumes. And that, that should be really yeah. impressive. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. Act. Man, this it's is, just different. Yeah, it's just different. Yeah. Big wineries, small wineries, different. Now I am in the point at the stage of my life, of my professional career, that I just like to to find those uh, niche wines that are off everyone's radar. You know, that uh, are a bit difficult to find. But uh, I I totally trust large wineries too. I have to say. I'm over here doing the math, and I'm trying to. She's had thirty to forty percent tasted, and yeah. and in one community, there's two hundred and four. Yeah, that, that yeah. means Cloudy's got a drinking problem. That's <laughs> that's just what I heard, <laughs> and a good problem, by the way. <laughs> yes. Uh, this has been awesome. I'm going to be. I don't know if Pat's going to join me, but I'm going to be. I'm going to be back in Italy in December. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would love to to hook up, uh, grab a meal, have a glass of wine with you, and. It'd be awesome. We, we are going. Why don't we visit a few wineries uh, together? We could do that. We could absolutely do that. So we can I think make that's that a plan. Yeah. Now you got to talk him that's into going. Plan. You got to talk him into going. He, yeah. he he always says he wants to go with me, but yeah. he never shows push, up with push, me. Push my arm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Claudia, thank you so much for your time. And the uh, I'm going to say the last. It, it's it, Caligari. Did I say it right? Yes. Caligari. Yes. Caligari and. Dot wine. It's C A L L E G A R I dot wine. It'll be a, there will be a link on the podcast link and a link on on the on on our webpage. 
get signed up. Do do the private wine tasting when you go to Tuscany. Get that. Uh, join the wine club. All right. Uh, get get your wine shipped quarterly and uh, just taste greatness is what we're asking you to do. Is taste greatness, right? Yes, yes. On my website, you can find everything. Actually, now we are close to the very close to the release of the next summer selection. So I always have this deal of a twenty-five percent discount on shipping costs for the pre-sale until the first day of shipping. So if you want to have a look, there are a few days left to get this unique advantage because I understand sometimes shipping costs are. A little bit annoying. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that. I, I, full disclosure, what prevents me from joining a wine club or even purchasing wine when I'm over there, it's the shipping cost. It's like, well, the shipping's more than the wine. I mean, that, that's the frustrating yeah, yeah, part. Yeah. Yeah, that is why I give my customers the uh, chance to pre-sale the future uh, selection, offering a discount on the shipping costs. So if you want to have a look uh, from today on, uh, from today till uh, June 21st, which is the first day of summer, there is this uh, unique uh, deal on, on shipping costs for the next summer selection. So this occurs to me. I think, Travis, you might, my idea, Claudia, I think we will join this club and then we are going to hire you to do a live podcast wine tasting select for the Absolutely. Selection. I'd love to do that. I, I think our uh, listeners yes, would uh, love to hear how that goes. Yes. Yes. Because I, if you talk about wine, you need to have a glass in front of you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's be clear about that. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not a serious not talk, the same. isn't it? So we just have to adjust the time because we're recording about 845 in the morning right now. So we'll just have to move it up a little bit. No problem for me. I'm used to do live tasting at 2 o'clock in the morning, so <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> Claudia, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate your knowledge. We appreciate your enthusiasm, and I, I can't wait to, to talk to you again and, and hopefully meet you in person in December. This is going to be awesome. I look forward to do that too, Travis and Pat. And, uh, just let me know where you are in Italy and uh, your uh, the, all the people who listen to this podcast who want to organize a, a wine tour, just uh, contact me and I will, I will be very happy to help. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Travis, are you inspired to go? I, I'm always inspired to go. You don't have to oh. twist my arm because I've, I've already started booking my trip for, for December. I mean, you're the one I have to arm twist. I, I cannot wait <laughs> to take a wine. We have not done a wine tour. We've done lots of wine tasting. Yes. We, which have been connected to meals right there's always been a lunch or some kind of heavy wow. appetizer yeah. with it but uh, if i understand correctly claudia is it's more about she's focusing on that wine i'm that and i want to see those vineyards i want to see the countryside as she's seeing it. i think that'd be a fantastic opportunity and, and we're lucky uh just having done this podcast for as long as we have and and, and has visited as, as many times as we had we have so many friends in the wine business now in, in different aspects, you know, from Anthony Favaletti to uh, uh, Anna Maria Mandalfri to, to, to Linda. There's just so many different aspects we have within our, our good friends at uh, uh, the name escapes me right now uh, where you stayed. Um, um, I should know it. Uh, you know where the wine dinners are. 
we, we stay we stayed on their property why can't it come to our why can't it come to my because it's been too long it, it, i know i know it'll come to me i yeah it, that, that that's the great thing is we've been so many times that we've <laughs> we we have forgotten where where, where, where where we've been but uh uh one thing unites us it, it's wine it's food it's italy it's tuscany really is isn't it it's i i'm so excited to go meet and and uh, see this as as she's Describe this to us. It's an amazing opportunity. It, it really is. And so, if you uh, if you need some advice, if you want some help, and uh, and even how to get a hold of Claudia, you can also reach out to us at totaltuscany at gmail.com. That's totaltuscany at gmail.com. If you haven't followed us on our social media pages, we're probably not as active as we should be, but still give us a follow on our Facebook page, on our Instagram page, and even Twitter. Just search for Total Tuscany. And if you know somebody who is going to Tuscany or is thinking about going to Tuscany, share this podcast with them. There's so much really, really good information over the past 90 episodes. There's something really for everyone. I get emails on a regular basis. Hey, just started listening to your podcast because they're planning that trip, that first experience to Tuscany. And this podcast has been an inspiration just to give ideas, right? Just to give ideas on what you're able to do. And we will help We will help design your trip yeah. if you're interested. Yeah, it, it, we, we make it easy and, 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 and painless for you because it should be a great experience. So for Pat Companion. I'm Travis Justice. Thank you again for listening to the Total Tuscany Podcast.